what up, what up, guys? It's Tune Cool. This is the Activated Podcast. You boy, you live and direct via Zoom and, and um, uh, all the way on the other side of the south of the border. I have a very incredible guest in here with me. Before we even get into today's episode, first of all, happy Black History Month to everybody. Uh, most specifically, all the black people out there out here doing the good work and making sure you're keeping up uh, with this fight and, and everything going on. Uh, I'm super stoked about that, which with my guests, I'll get into maybe get an opinion and things on certain things. Because like I said, she is south of the border. Um, and... Um, Honestly, I've been looking forward to this conversation. I don't know how she feels. She's not, she's, she's super serious right now. You can't see on the Zoom, but I can. <laughs> and I would like to start by doing justice on, on how I introduce her. Because a lot of the time before I introduce anybody or, or get somebody in a podcast, I'll go do a little bit of research, get to know them. And I was going through a resume and I was like, wow, this is, uh, this is something else. Um, so... I want to start by saying um, one of the points that I made here, she's the first black female founder to raise a million dollars in venture capital um, in uh, the city of New Jersey, right? I'm good? Right, yeah. Um, first of 35 to ever do it, to ever do so in the United States. Yeah. That's, that's, that's when you talk about, what, 350 million people or... Um, that, that, that number to me speaks volume. She's also a, uh, she's a Ford 30 on the 30 social entrepreneur. She's the director of operation. Oh, she served actually. She used to be, um, at a high school in Newark, New Jersey, um, holds an MBA and MA. What's, what's an MA by the way? I was like, what, what's, what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> No, MA, that's, I got a master's in education. Okay. Um, so just MA in education, yeah. Okay, all right. I was like, woo, I don't know. I don't even <laughs> I thought it was like some new degrees is going out there. I said, damn. But anyway, thanks for clarifying. And that's from Stanford University. You attended Stanford University. You also went to Yale, uh, where you hold a bachelor in economics. Yeah. You go with the numbers. And, I mean, makes sense. Raise a million dollars and so on. Um, and also... Obviously, the reason she's here, she's a founder and CEO of a company called Mind Right Health. Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, on the platform today, we got Ashley Edwards. <laughs> we, get, we get you some bombs. <laughs> I hope Thank I did you. that justice. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Ibu, and for that very kind introduction. I'm happy to be here and talking with you. Honestly, just go, just going through that, it was like, wow, like it, it's such a, um, it made me think about like, I want to now understand a little bit of your journey, obviously how you got there, what transpired, what influenced you. So I want to start from the beginning before we even get into like, obviously what you're doing and how important that is, um, to somebody now tuning in, who is Ashley, right? Like what, what's, what's growing up? What did you grow up? I'm curious about that. What was your influences? But, um, if you could break that down for me, please. Yeah, sure. Um, who is Ashley? Right now, I mostly just identify as an entre entrepreneur and particularly a social entrepreneur. So really wanting to create things that have a positive social impact on society. But, you know, who I really am, you know, I, I'm a girl who grew up in Jersey in the U.S. Mm. Um, I always grew up kind of just trying to figure out how I could use my unique skills and talents, because we all have a unique skill and talent. So how could I use mine to give back to my community? Um, and so I had this really long journey where I worked in education. I um, was, at one point I was pursuing a career in international development. I actually almost lived in Dakar and Senegal for two years. Um, so like I was all over the place, um, but I feel like I'm at a place now where I've really found the zone where I feel like I can, you know, do something I love and like be in control of my life as an entrepreneur. So I'm just really grateful for that. Um, so obviously you, you reside in New Jersey. Uh, and yeah. now you're, everything that you're doing is, is based uh, in that community. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what, like what influenced that? Because I know a lot of time we go through just life trying to figure things out, but what, what influenced the, um, were you born there? Like, is that where you spent most of your time? What? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Go ahead. 
No, I was gonna say, yeah, I'm, I'm born and raised in Jersey. Um, my dad is actually from Newark, New Jersey, where I live now, where my company's based, and my mom is from West Philly. And so I feel like, you know, especially with living in Newark, where, you know, my whole dad's side of my family is from, I feel like he went through so much. He fought his way to get out of certain situations. Right. And now I have this privilege and I can go back there. Right. And, you know, um, I have the privilege of being able to give back now. So that's kind of how I ended up here. You know, I, I was because I mean, from the outside looking in, um, you know, you hear stories about Newark. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you're, this is this is your place. This is your home. Is is everything I hear as accurate as far as like uh, just being like a very tough city and 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 I don't even make it seem like crime because crime and crime happens everywhere. But like from somebody who lives there, the climate, like what 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 would you how would you describe it to me? Yeah, well, I I love Newark, and mm. I appreciate this question because I get this all the time. I get a lot of people asking me like, why? Like, you went to Yale, you went to Stanford. Why do you live in Newark? Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people ask that question, <laughs> and I think so. Obviously, people there's a lot of stigma around the city, yeah. um, around Brook City, around the history of what's happened there, um, with regard to crime um, and and things like that. But I think what people don't realize is that as much as like as much as you talk about the crime, yeah. Newark is really a city of survivors, amazingly resilient people. Mm-hmm. There's a really up and coming tech sector right now. And even when I was young, I used to come up here all the time just to visit my grandmother and my family. I just love the vibe here. Like it's super it's a super artistic city. It's fun. There's some of the coolest people here. So I I love it here and I'm I'm a huge proponent of Newark and its future and I want to be a part of it. So right. Um, and, so yeah, that that makes absolutely. It's it's almost like um, the correlation I can see is like uh, I go back to Niger very often now, and I, and I try to like showcase what that is, and then sometimes in the YouTube comments you'll get like, oh, but it's the poorest country in the world, and the IDP is that, and I have to tell people, man, listen, you have to, um, you know, shut the hell up a bit. But it's like <laughs> people really don't understand. It's like when when you're when you're from a place or you have an attachment to it you don't really see um the i don't say like the bad side of it but it's like you you see everything with this full potential so and like you were saying like being from there growing up and, and things like that having the opportunity to go back right and then to mark um your 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 not your territory but almost like a legacy and to work on things that are meaningful to you um i think it's, it's the greatest feeling i wish that on everybody if you do have a chance to go back to a place that you have attachment to and so on, uh, it'll be dope. I feel like nowadays everybody just trying to be all over the place and move, and there's not really that sense of like I'm going home to do certain things. So, I mean, shout out to you, man, because I hear stories. The other day I was yeah. on YouTube. I heard that don't leave your car on. You get carjacked. Is it, it was kind of like ooh. Make sure yeah. before I go there, I make sure I hit up Ashley. Like, please tell me where not to go. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely hit me up um, if you ever come around. The carjacking, there, there is a history of that. Mm. I, th- I think one one thing, though, I'd like to say in general, and to your point about your home as well, Like I think a lot of times people talk about certain places where it's only talked about in such a deficit-based way. And like if you're coming in, you're saving the place, like kind of like this white savior thing. Right. Um, but for me in Newark, it's like I'm as much as – I may have given, I've learned and gained so much more so much from fun. that city. So, yeah, I just like to point that out, too. Dope. Um, so I'm thinking, because you, you did talk about um, potentially pursuing international development studies. Um, for those who might not be familiar with that, I mean, I, mean, my, I think my, no, I don't think, my sister did do that. So essentially, it's, it's having opportunities to go abroad and, and to help them develop a system or infrastructure um to bring them up to i don't want to say up to par to what's going on in this side but to help the development of a society um as an african-american right grew up born in the u.s um that that's almost like a rare sight like you don't see people gravitate towards that kind of thing what influenced that in you like what did you what did you get that from yeah um, I had a really rare experience in high school where, um, I had, a, I had a, like a, this huge privilege where in high school, I think it was maybe my junior year, juniors, 
senior year or something like that, mm-hmm. I actually went to East Africa, oh. um, which was unheard of. For, and no one I knew had been to the continent before. And I was there because my one of my teachers at my high school used to be in the Peace Corps in Tanzania. Mm. And she decided to take a group of her students there um, to just like learn about the culture and all that. And so I was in Tanzania for two weeks. And that trip complete, completely changed my life. Right. And since I went to Tanzania, um, like in college, that's when I had this focus on international development. And then I went to, I lived in Uganda for three months, um, went to South Africa, Kenya. Shit. Like, I'm trying to go everywhere. There's just so I much mean, to learn and yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might have probably gone to more countries in Africa. Than, no, maybe. I, I've, I've never been to the East and the South. Mm-hmm. I mostly stayed to west, uh, western to the west side of it, but that was yeah. dope. Yeah, I love to go to West Africa, and actually, um, when I was an undergrad, mm-hmm. I studied Yoruba, which was everyone. It, it sounds super random, Get but yeah. Out of here! Listen, <laughs> you you tell what? It's funny you say that because my dad, my dad, um, my lineage traced back to Benin, which is Yoruba, and my great grandpa was Yoruba, and my dad actually speaks it. I mean, I don't, but it's 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 just dope to see like how far back, um, yeah. it goes, and then for, like I said, like I, so I grew up in the U.S., so I, I know that like there's people don't have zero, they have zero attachment when it comes to the african the content nothing like that and plus at the time it, it wasn't even something that you could it's not like now we're like oh it's popping like if you're not even i feel like um and obviously i'm just talking shit but like if you're not african it's like ooh, like you just you know what i mean like so now i could see like being like okay the thing but for sure growing up in middle school and i think i was getting in a fight every day because of these things so um and you didn't see that um african-americans um, black people in the u.s even wanted to reconnect to that and even those that are uh the parents came from and they was born in the u.s they almost like dismissed that part of their life i remember the craziest thing is um and now we get on the tangent but this is what this is all about because i i do love to learn about people uh i remember a friend of mine like we were in school and she used to like make fun of african kids and whatever and then one day we went to her house and then, like, as soon as I got in there, like, you see pictures, like, and she was, her mom was from Liberia. I mean, she was, she was born in the U.S., but both her parents Liberian. So, I was like, damn, like, how are you up here getting on people, but you're, like, one generation? <laughs> like, to me, it was such, it was such a shocker because I was like, yo, you're not even in tune with who you are. Because if both of your parents are from Liberia, you happen to be, and I understand, like, obviously, you're American, whatever, but it's almost like people distancing themselves or even detaching themselves from the fact of who they are. And, and you happen to go to East Africa and, and you completely change your per- perception of, of what that is. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's dope. So shout out to you, man. Thank shout, you. Shout out to you. Um, let's talk about this. This, I mean, one of the main reasons why we're here, um, the company that you started as you're the founder, the CEO, you're a big shot. You make all the calls. I like that. Honestly, I, I like to see, um, dope things like that and plus part of it too is, is the mental health aspect of it but talk to me about um explain to me what is mind right health sure so mind right health we're a mental health tech startup company and the whole mission of the company is to make mental health care radically accessible and inclusive of communities of color and low-income families so we know there's just so much stigma around mental health. So you want to make it easy for people to get support and something that they actually would choose and want to do. So what we do is we provide mental health coaching all over text message, particularly for like youth and young adults. Um, so that's our focus. So your, your focus is it's, it's youth and young adults. Um, what? See, now I'm thinking about a million different questions coming to my mind, but... <laughs> Because I, I know mental health and even right now in the context of what's happening with the with COVID and, and people being forced to like deal with their thoughts and things that they might have been struggling with. Um, and not only kids, but even adults. Um, what what about mental health made you want to almost make it your mission to try to eradicate? But I mean, and, that, and that's the angle. Right? We want to get to a point yeah. where like this is not even 
a thing yeah. that is affecting us as much as it is what 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 made you want to choose that path is it is it does it come from a personal experience or just seeing the the void and the need uh that the community need in in a sense Yeah, all of the above. I mean, I've had my own personal experiences with depression, anxiety. Um, but then this is also where I got to go back and credit Nork again because uh, what really like catalyzed me wanting to found this company was my experience working in education at a high school here in Newark, New Jersey. Mm. Um, and so I, I was, like you mentioned, I, I was managing operations for the school, but every single day I had students coming in Um, and they trusted me and they would share me stories about different trauma they had experienced, whether it was wow. um, just surviving poverty on a daily basis, parents getting locked up, like not having food at home. And like all that stuff is such real impact on your mental health and psychological support. But in communities like that, it's just normal. Um, yeah. And we see it as normal. And so I like seeing that cycle happen over and over again like i have students who are now incarcerated and i feel like that would not have happened if someone would have stepped in and gave them mental health support when they needed it um and so yeah that just seeing the status quo of all that just honestly really offended me it just made me so angry that our people our communities are dealing with so much pain and just having to suffer in silence and people are just accepting this is just how it is if you live in a certain neighborhood you just experience these things So I wanted to make something for young people just to make sure that they feel seen and heard. And that's really where the text messaging came and just um, mind right and all of that. That was really my inspiration for it. Um, and I like the, 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 cause you mentioned it being about a, a tech startup, right? If mm -hmm. it, and please correct me if I'm butchering. <laughs> But no, you're right. in a sense it's like, so, And the aspect that I love about that is because you're tapping into what this is where we at right now in current times, which is social media and all everything else that's that's driving the factor. So if you're able to have these conversation um, by professionals through text message um, and connect to a kid and kind of help them through that path, I think that is probably one of the greatest things that you could tap into, especially like currently in now times, right? Um, And I, I, and I want to ask you something in terms of young kids dealing with their, their mental aspect and, and, and outside of the trauma that they go through at home. How much do you feel like social media has has added to, to that? Because I mean, even right before the podcast, uh, we was having a conversation and, and because I've been thinking about having you on the podcast for some time. Uh, and then I and I go into my social media and I'm looking for him like yeah where actually yeah, let me <laughs> let me hit her up <laughs> because I had your number I didn't save it and then I lost in the messages or whatever uh, and then I and I saw that you would MIA and I was like damn like what so I I, I was a little bit worried um, so obviously I reach out to I meet your friends and then you told me you're me you're good and everything like that because whenever I see people like take time off social media it kind of I'm, I'm a little concerned about, okay, like, I hope that they're, they're okay, you know what I mean? Because social media is taxing. Um, so, so back to that, in, in the cases that you're seeing, um, and I don't know if you could quantify that in any sort of stats, so, but how much is the social media playing a part in, in that, in the mental health aspect? Yeah. And like, first of all, I appreciate you wanting to make sure I was good because a lot of people may just be like, huh, you know, pass it off. Like, I guess she's just, <laughs> she just took a time off because it's Valentine's. She ain't trying to see. You. I mean, that, I assume it, right? Like everybody got their own personal Everyone thing. Got their own Honestly, thing. That, that was my first thing. Cause I, oh, I hope, I hope she's good. Like that was the yeah. first thing that I, that I thought about, but yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, yeah, no. I mean, this has been a tough year and for me for me obviously speaking about me personally and then the kids like for me personally social media just fuels um i feel i think it can be triggering for if you like i right now during the pandemic i've been living alone in my apartment isolated for yeah. like a year now um and sometimes social media is helpful feeling connected with people and sometimes it's not helpful and it can just increase feelings of isolation so Sometimes I just need to step off and take a break. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah, how yeah. I've been feeling lately. And then I think for young people, so even before COVID-19, we would be dealing with situations where we were texting young people 
who are about to, you know, fight people or jump people off of what someone tweeted or what someone put on Snapchat or Instagram or something like that. And so I think social media definitely fuels a lot of conflict um, and young people. And like one thing, like I'm so grateful I'm not growing up right now because everything you do is just broadcasted publicly. That is a fact. That is, that is, <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> yeah, I can't. So that amount of pressure on someone, someone who's 14, 15, someone who's still develop, uh, developing, um, that's a lot. And so, yeah, we do for sure um, see that in our coaching conversation. So, um, and I think that's when it's helpful for people to just step away sometimes if they need to. Do, do, do you, um, and, and maybe you could tell me, uh, give me some, offer me some insight. I always find myself um, to, 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 cause I've never taken a social media break. So I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking like, is something wrong with me that I'm, I'm still participating in this? It is nonsense regularly. Or uh, I, I can remember more recently, like going to Niger, I went there, I spent about a month and some change. Um, and I remember being down there, like it was, it was a podcast I was supposed to put out and I get there, the internet, it's not really working. And I'm like, overly stressed for like a day and after i was like you know what i can't put it up it is what it is people get like i'm not really kidding myself for for all of that and then i and i'm and i'm constantly getting like messages like yo clubhouse you know you do this podcast you should go on clubhouse it's the best i'm like all right cool and then my lack of response people are feeling like yo like you're not taking advantage of it no days off get to the grind and and i'm a person to work extremely hard like whether like it's being seen through social media or not like i gotta remind myself like bro take two days off because like you you're not sleeping all the time and things like that so when i got there the one thing that shocked me is within a week of being there my um my uh screen time report came back and it was like you you've reduced your screen on time by 50 percent and i was like blown away because I mean, their part of frustration is the internet is slow. Sometimes it just don't work. So like, I'm just like, I'm not getting through. So I'm literally using my phone to like text and to call barely being on social media. So it's like, sometimes I look at it and I tell people all the time, it's like, yo, though I enjoy certain things and being in people's faces all the time, it's like social media, I trying to not to make it, um, I trying to keep it balanced. And from the very beginning of it, and, I, and I've said this many times, it's like, I'm not, I don't follow celebrities and I don't follow people that like, you know, I like to follow people like you who like, I could relate to we might be within the same age range or whatever. That don't really matter. But we are within the same sort of reality of life. Meaning like if, if I, I feel like if I follow Meek Mills and he go and buy a house in Ghana, like just because he felt like it, I'm going to look at my life and go, <laughs> boy, <laughs> what, what is, you know what I mean? And it's like, and, and I think like a lot of the time, that taxes a lot of people and, and i've been lucky enough from for whatever reason from the very beginning to not even um step foot in that thing so sometimes i feel like yo why is why am i not taking social media breaks it, do, mm-hmm. do, do you think everybody should take one um i mean i think it's really up to you like if you're good then you're good um you may maybe you don't need to take a break i just know with like me <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. i just feel overwhelmed so yeah. i just Want to take a break? I don't think there's anything wrong with you. Um, but I like the 50% screen time down. That's like a huge number. Oh, yeah, but that thing back up now. Like I've been back. <laughs> and it, and, it, and I, I, I can't like it's like, yo, I, I got I got the I got the limit on the apps with the password. So like I got those mm-hmm. set up. I got do not disturb and non. I have every parameter and I still find way to be on my phone. Man, I mean, I will say one thing. You mentioned Clubhouse, so I've been off Instagram for a minute. Mm. I'm on Clubhouse every single day. How's Clubhouse? Like, how how you liking it? I have a problem with Clubhouse. Well, the problem is that I spend too much time on it. Like, right. so whenever, you, so when you I... left Instagram and you want to spend <laughs> so all the time that you're supposed to be off. You, you now are dedicating it to the clubhouse. Exactly. And Jeez. I was I was trying to reflect on this. And I think what it is, is with clubhouse, you, like it's, there's no visual, it's just audio. And so I don't feel like I have to, like I don't have to put up pictures. The amount of work I have to do 
is minimal to zero. Mm -hmm. I can just listen to conversations. I can join if I want, but it's, I just I feel a lot less pressure. To do, so. but I, I trying to. Are you able to when you go into these big uh, chat room? Can you talk? Can you just talk, or you just have to wait your turn? Or are you? Yeah, you, sometimes. Sometimes you'll have to wait. I try not to go into the huge ones because a lot of times the people who are moderating those rooms aren't very good and they don't know how to just manage mm. the crowd. So I like to go in smaller rooms or if I wanted to just start my own room so that I could be in control. But yeah. yeah pe pe people keep telling me about it and apparently this is the next big wave and you're going to blow when you go in there. But I'm like, I'm honestly, I don't, I'm not looking for social media anxiety <laughs> anymore. <than> it is <laughs> right now. It's like, I'm cool operating on the low. I mean, as long as I feel satisfied and fulfilled in what I'm doing, I, I don't really. Yeah. To me, like, that's going to come if it comes and when it comes, but it's not really, like, it's not, though it is valuable because everybody put values in, in it. And that's, and, and that's what it, that's what dawned on me when I was in Niger. Like, nobody really cared about social media. So it's like, it wasn't the, the most valuable thing. Like, what people put value in is WhatsApp, which is like, I almost feel like it's a social media platform now because people post status and such. But it's like, so like nobody care about Instagram, nobody care about Twitter and all this stuff. So it's like, damn, it really depends on the environment that you're in and and what people in that environment care about, which then you gravitate um, towards that. But I mean, thank you for for those very um, incredible insight. I, I guess I don't. I, I might I might have to though at some point. Let me know if you try. I think there's starting to be more people from Toronto. And uh, I think I've seen Toronto and Montreal start to have more people on Clubhouse. Yeah. Um, now, let, let's 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 get back to 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 sorry we deviated a bit, but this is what this shit is all about. I love it. Uh, I, and I was thinking about the going through your resume and, and, and being able to obtain a million dollar venture okay I, I want you to kind of break that out for me because i read i was like damn i actually got a million dollars in her account it is going down um but obviously that's that's not that's not what that is for and ex <laughs> <laughs> don't run up on her she ain't got the million dollars okay leave her. I, I don't got it. she out here doing the good work but like talk to me about the process of even going to 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 get the money who do you go ask like how do you put a number to it because when i look at it mental health and i tell my friends all the time is if you want to spend 800 dollars on makeup you got to double that in your mental health like like that is one of the most important your head is the engine to your body when the head is not well nothing else goes well so how do you even put a number to it as far as like we need x amount of money or do they just feel like so many questions. So let's start from the beginning. <laughs> How do you go about um, getting this, 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 this money, or even who do you speak to about it firsthand? Yeah. So when I was first starting the process, I just started reflecting on what type of investors I even want. Um, because that will just direct the rest of how I spend my time and target people and all of that. And so like what a lot of people told me is that when you get an investor, it's like a marriage. Like this is someone who's going to be with you, have ownership in your company for like maybe like 10 years or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you have to think carefully. And since I was creating something that, you know, is a mission driven company, I really wanted mission driven investors. And so I started researching who are those investors who invest in companies like mine who invest in mental health, who invest, who are interested in community um, development or just like mission-minded. So right. I made that list. And then from that, from that process, I had to start figuring out, okay, how do I get to those people? Because one of the biggest barriers, especially for black founders or other underrepresented groups is that we just don't have the same access and networks as other people with more privilege. So I really had to lean on, I'm, I was fortunate because I was able to lean on my Stanford network um, to get connected to investors in Silicon Valley and all of that. And I know that's something a lot of other people don't have. Um, and that's just, and that's why the number of like black women founders who have raised a million is less than a hundred who have ever done it in the U.S. right now. Yeah. Um, so um, I, once I was able to get those intros and it's kind of like the question you had, okay, how much money do you need? 
at this point, this is where I'd created my investor deck or presentation where I talked through, okay, this is a problem. This is the solution we created. This is our business model. These are our projections. I had a whole, I made a whole financial model where I projected um, how much, what our expenses were, how much revenue for the next um, like one to two, maybe like one to three years, something like that. Um, and then basically looked at that and was like, okay, in order to get to break even, I need to raise X amount of money and that'll last me until I need to raise money again. Um, and that ended me up in the million dollar range. But honestly, a lot of this, a lot of how much you raise is based on how much, um, like the relationships you're able to go with investors and who actually is signing the checks. Mm-hmm. Um, and like at the end of the day, even with a startup, the goal is not to raise you know, millions and millions of dollars, the goal is to build a successful company. Yeah. And so like, it's like you have to balance as more, the more money you raise, the more of your company you're giving away. And so you don't want to overraise, but you also don't want to underraise. So it's like real, it's like an art and a science to it. Yeah. To, to get it. Uh, and now that you're talking, about, I was even thinking about the aspect of it, because obviously it's a company. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a group of, you have a, 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 a group of people that actually come doctors on hands. Um, honestly, that, I think that's the only one that I remember. Um, can't remember everybody's title, but you have a group of people that are, are part of this organization. So part of it too is, is to sort of, um, even when you get these investment, is, is is there an expectation on the ROI, like the return of investment? Like, are they expecting, okay, we're going to give you a million dollars, but we need to collect 10 in the future? Or um, is that how it works? Because I didn't see at first when I was thinking about it, I didn't think about the aspect of um, like a company. Not, not that it's not a company, but I was thinking, like, oh, it's an organization, uh, but you're in it to make money. Yeah. So, um, especially like the, any investor, yeah, like you said, they want a return on their money. And so they're investing in us because they are expecting us to turn that 1 million, like five X, maybe 10 X, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, yeah. And, and so that has a lot to do with our business model and just how fast we can grow. Um, but yeah, that's, that's why, that's why they invest. Okay, that's that's a little that 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 change. So yeah, she don't run up on her. Leave her alone. She ain't got the man. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, um, I, I'm super super um, happy to like like you were saying like just to see black people pursuing this level of excellence, uh, black women at that. So we're here to obviously support you the best way we can. Highlight your stories, which is important, and to see in ways that we could be part of this um the changing conversation and removing of the stigmatization of what mental health is and and i remember having the conversation and we always talking amongst each other with friends and it's like oh when's the last time you cried and you know you get into the conversation when i can remember a time where i could look back and not even remember the last time i've been emotional about something and then you know things happen in life and then you you, you go whether it's the therapy route or whatever else that you decide whether it's like reading a lot of self-help books whatever that does to, to help your mental and to look back in the place where now when we have a conversation with my friends like i'm not even afraid to be like yo i was watching uh an example i was watching the tony parker um documentary and then towards the end when he was kind of reflecting and giving a speech um and he was saying some you know just a young boy from paris who not ended up making it to the nba but being damn near hall of like he didn't just you know, slid through there, but he made a mark enough that NBA scouts started looking at France differently as far as scouting for players and things like that. And that kind of got me a little bit because I can always envision, like, I was thinking about, like, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, what is the one thing that, um, what would be my contribution to the world? Right. And I think part of that whole thing is, is getting in and, you know, moments like that do get me emotional. Uh, but on the other hand, you you know, I got some friends like, oh, I can't, I can't remember it. I was like, boy, <laughs> the day you start to cry, we're gonna have to lift you up. <laughs> you gonna, you gonna, you gonna feel like you're dying because <laughs> I feel like I remember the first time when I, I kind of let go. Like that's kind of what it felt like. I was like, boy, you better get to it quick. Um, 
because the day that it happened, it, it might be a little bit uh, of, of an issue, not an issue for you, but um, yeah, it might be a tough thing to, to get to kind of thing. I want to also, how's, how's, uh, how's COVID right now? I know Ashley, by the way, she lives in New Jersey. So, you know, she is in the craziest country in the world. That's what everybody feel about America right now. It is wild. <laughs> to the, like, <laughs> it's almost like, damn, you, like, I feel like even if you say, yeah, I'm going to the U.S., people look at you like, huh? Like, are you serious? Um, but, and more so, like, you being there, like, you guys are there, the climate is a little bit hectic, not to get into too much politics, but what, what is, what is the sentiment now? Like, what is, how is things going? I know COVID is there, the presidential election was nuts, and, the, the state capital <laughs> got people ran up in there and there's like walking in the streets and things like that what is what does it feel like is there a lot of tension or people just going about their way like nothing is happening talk to me a little bit about that yeah i think what we're seeing right now is the u.s really approaching a reckoning with its history of white supremacy mm. and that's why people. What? A <laughs> what a, wow. That say please say come, come back again. That that was I'm gonna steal that, but that was good. You right. Sorry, continue. <laughs> I got I got no, too excited. Yeah. You're, you're fine. No, yeah, the U.S. is reckoning with its history of white supremacy. Mm. Um, and so some people can't handle that. They don't want to. That's they ain't ready. And so they're running up in the Capitol trying to disrupt a peaceful a transition of power for presidents, which has never happened in the U.S. before. Um, so, and yeah, so I think right now we're kind of just seeing that people kind of like, oh shit, um, you know, we are, like the U.S. is not always how we envisioned it. And now for people of color, for black and brown people, we've always known, you know, the history of the U.S. and, um you know, the U.S.'s original sin was slavery, all of this stuff. Uh, and so right now we're at a point where people are dying uh, every day from the pandemic. You know, we are finally, we finally were able to um, get rid of Trump. But now we now we have Biden. There's just so much work that needs to be done. There's just so much yeah, work. Biden, Biden, I mean, Biden, if, if you understand and uh study or understand context of the history of what that man has done it's almost like i mean i've looked at it and i go i, I wouldn't even know which way to go um but like i mean a symbol um of biden like him being in, in the white house might start to get them you know why, why white folks that are just feeling brave it might just kind of maybe help tone that down a bit because we haven't seen it until you know trump came into power and that's because trump was literally inciting everybody like go run up and do this and 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 that and and we honestly it just like i said like when you're looking at the u.s now it's like woo, like it's almost like there's no i don't know how to explain it but i it, i remember when i first moved to canada it was like everything was like u.s 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 we won't go to u.s it's like but now everybody's looking back like well no i don't want nothing to do <laughs> gotta stay away from that country for a while and it's kind of like it's kind of crazy because I talked to I got family there and everything like that. Some people are just not even in tune with what's going on. They're 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 going about their business. Some people are really involved in, and feeling emotional about everything else um, that's happening. Yeah. You, and also with the pandemic, because I, I remember even making jokes, and, and this is not a joking matter. But I was like, damn, like the U.S. literally thinks everything is a competition, even the COVID. Like they trying to beat everybody as far as like we're gonna get, <laughs> we're gonna try to get the most cases. It was just nuts, like, but. Do you feel like, like in the U.S. and obviously this is a personal opinion, have they chose the the money aspect and the economy over like the health of the citizen? Almost, that's what it feels like. How you feel about that? I, in a lot of ways, I think the U.S. shows us that every day, and mm. I think that COVID nineteen has completely exposed the like the inequalities in the U.S. that have always existed. So. Um, the fact that more black black people are dying from coronavirus than any other population is because of the history of the healthcare system disproportionately failing black people in the U.S. Mm. That's the reason why. Um, during the pandemic, we uh, we've received uh, <laughs> originally we only received six hundred dollars of government support <laughs> for the entire pandemic. And if that doesn't tell you what they think 
about just the social welfare of their citizens. And that's, you know, that's that's pretty self-explanatory. Now Biden is trying to do more and and give a $1,400 check, $2,000 for 12 months for people who lost their jobs in like one, two, three of the pandemic who are trying to live off $2,000 overall or $2,000 per month? Overall. (laughs) Really? Really? I heard that. I heard Canada, y'all were getting like 2000 I mean, come on now. We was, like that. People was out here buying new whips. <laughs> See, that's, that's the difference. That's yeah, the difference they, they, we, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because the U.S. has the money. If we, if they really wanted to do something for their citizens, we could. They could do it, but yeah. They just chose, yeah. I mean, I think Canada came out the gate with like, okay, uh, I think from like March or April, they was giving out two grand a month until about September, October, uh, and then they 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 took it down to I don't know five hundred dollars a week or four hundred something like I mean they was helping, but the the problem is too like I mean it depends where in, in in Canada you live, but if you're in a city like Toronto, two grand is not even that's a one bedroom condo. So I mean it's obviously the government can only do so much, but you you kind of appreciate it in a way that like I mean they're trying, but the only problem is then in the back end of it we do pay a lot of taxes, so it's like. I mean, regular sales tax is 13% here. It's just to tell you that, you know, all that money is going back. And then now, uh, there's been a lot of people applying that is not supposed to get the money. And then now the government is going back. And, and I mean, they got to get the money somewhere else. Uh, you know what I mean? So, like, you know, property taxes yeah. is going up. I look at my property taxes like, whoo, this is kind of crazy. I renew my, I was running dirty for like a year. Um, I didn't want to renew my sticker because I was like, this is a pandemic um right went there we knew it was like six hundred dollars and i was like yo what yeah, yeah it was yeah yeah that was that's that that almost that almost ruined my whole weekend to be honest <laughs> i was like you know why i ain't going out for three months but it, it goes back like in canada we do pay an excessive amount for almost everything so if that mm-hmm. didn't happen we definitely would have been I mean, Canadians are—they wouldn't have done nothing to be honest. They would have just, ah. <laughs> <laughs> they would have just probably uh, kind of let it go. But it's interesting to see. I, I hope that you guys really um, pull through. You know what I'm saying? Like we we hope yeah. that things start to uh, get back to normal. Like you saying, I think this is the the inevitable, meaning that like the whole white supremacy not being a thing or whatever, and it's coming to fruition. Like yo, it's it's time for it because people are tired. You gotta so think about tired. generation after generation, and and it's like okay, something gotta give at some point. And I think this is what um you guys are going through. But we, as your northern board and cousins or whatever, they want you know we we support y'all, but from far, don't don't. From far. <laughs> yeah, y'all y'all keeping those borders closed. <laughs> Listen, all of y'all that want to move to Canada, forget about it. Uh, just relax for a bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, we, we, we are in Black History Month. I, I want to just to, um, I was thinking about this. I was like, I, I wonder, uh, and just to ask you, um, like when we talk in Black History Month, what does Black History mean to you? Because um, I was looking at, like, I hate when, and this is social media, this is maybe where I need a break because you see people um, come up with these wild statements. Oh, they chose to give us the shortest month and 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 why the shortest month and things like that. And when I see things like that, I go research. Like, okay, why did they choose February? Uh, and and then I don't know if you know or whatever, but from what I've gathered is because it was Abraham Lincoln's birthday, and, and I can't remember the other person. Was it the Robert? Can't remember, but essentially it was why it was picked. I don't know how accurate that is. But if we're just looking at just on the surface level, I go, hmm, maybe it does make sense in, in a way. Um, but obviously, when you when you start to incite that saying, oh, no, they gave us the, the, the one month to settle. But it's like, why do we even wait for us to be given a designated month to, to celebrate? And then the thing mm-hmm. unravel even more. But to go back to the question I wanted to know is what, what does black history, what, is, what does it mean to you? Ooh. I mean, like Black History Month or just Black History in general, I just think of it, think about it as celebrating like across the diaspora, mm-hmm. our beauty, our survival, our talents, 
um, how connected we all are, which I think kind of goes back to our earlier conversation because there is a separation in the diaspora right now. Um, but yeah, I just, just celebrating the collective, everything we've had to overcome and really knowing ourselves. And I think for me, when I started, I did like a, um, I started looking into my own genealogy and ancestry and mm. was able to find my oldest ancestors in the U.S. who mm. were slaves in North Carolina and Virginia. Okay. And like once I had that information, it honestly gave me so much power to be like, damn, like my ancestors made it through generations of Jim Crow, plantation, slavery, all this. And if after like I had that information, it felt like, OK, well, what can I do? Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think, yeah, black history is just as a people, we've just been through so much. And I'm just being proud of that and knowing that and not letting anyone take that away from us. Have you tried to, to, to trace it back beyond just the U.S. to see um, where in the continent possibly they might be from? Have you looked into that? I have. Mm. Um, I did a 23andMe test, uh, which gave me like five different countries. So I think the the largest percent was from Nigeria. Mm, okay. And then I also had um, Congolese, I had Cameroon. And mostly it was mostly West Africa, but okay. it was like little percentage in South. Like I think a lot of us in the U.S. were just all mixed up just because of slavery. Yeah, but yeah. I think most of us came from West Africa. So mm, yeah, okay. that's interesting to see because sometimes people I hear there's one test that actually tell you where originally it'll even tell you the tribe and, and such um oh yeah i'm I, about to take that one too <laughs> let, let, let me know which one. i'd be i'd be, I be just curious to know because yeah. i mean uh i understand like you were saying like the power in that like i mean i'm so such a uh, i don't want to say proud but that that builds in part of my confidence comes from that because like i said i could trace back to where everything started and I, especially now like i asked my question my parents like a lot of questions like oh why this certain way and they'll explain it to me and um, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to meet my great grand dad, who where everything started from. Um, and that was to me, that was an incredible. Mm. Um, what's going on here? This thing is beeping. But that that to me, that was like, oh, like that's dope. And then yeah. having to talk to him and asking him question was was incredible. So I can only imagine how empowering that would be. Um, so when you find out, uh, please just let me know. I'd be curious. I'd be curious. I to know. will. um and uh before we go also uh, is 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 um are are you guys doing anything uh in related to black history month as a company um anything of that sort is happening right now yeah well one big part of the mental health coaching that we do is just enforcing positive self-identity like Mm -hmm. making people feel proud of their racial identity and their background so that's just an everyday thing yeah um because like we like young people especially like black young people, also brown young people, indigenous young people. Um, The world tells us that we're not this, we're not that. And so our job is to help people see all of who they are. So that's just what we do on the daily. Perfect. Dope. I mean, I I, honestly, Ashley, thank you very much. I've learned so much today through what you're, and I feel like this is not even enough. So we might have to have you come back um, (laughs) as I see things pop up. I make sure to keep up. Um, and then be able to bring you back and to offer you some insights. So for that, I want to say thank you very much. Before we go, and just to kind of like, you know, because I am ai like to think I'm a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, out of curiosity, what, what what are you listening to right now? What, what music do you listen to? Oh, um, I've listened to the same music for 10 years. I, oh. I like a lot of, <laughs> I like a lot of Neo Soul. Um, so, I mean, I, I just grew up, uh, listening to Lauryn Hill and the Fugees, like mm. all the time, every day. And you still, you still listen to that religiously? Actually, yesterday was the 25th anniversary of the Fugees, the score album. And wow. I listened to that. <laughs> wow, um, wow. but yeah, like for people who came out more recently, so I'll listen to like her, mm. um, uh, Erica Badu, Jill Scott, um, that, that's kind of my vibe. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, I feel that I could. You saying that right now, I'm like, mm, okay, it makes sense. It makes sense. I thought <laughs> I thought we was gonna get you on some Afro beats. You know, I'm gonna send you a playlist, some Afro beats, so you could you could be jamming like me. Um, funny enough, this week I've been listening to soca music all week. Oh, okay. All week. I, I I usually listen to I'm I'm I like to find out about music from everywhere. Like I listen to soca, 
dance hall. Then I might go to like France, figure out what they mm. listen to, go to the UK. So I, my my music is like a lot of different um, sounds. Ooh. What about like um, podcasts? What are some of the podcasts that you currently, if you listen to any that you enjoy and and, and so on? Um. So right now, Clubhouse is kind of my podcast. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Club, Club, Clubhouse got you. I don't. <laughs> Man, you are me. you are a prime member. You if they had a prime membership, you probably would have paid. <laughs> you would have paid for it. <laughs> People tell me all the time. Um, yeah, I did. There's one startup podcast I listened to like. A couple episodes, but a lot of people tell me good things called mm-hmm. "How I Built How I Built This." Mm-hmm. Um, How I, think, I built this. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, um, there's just different tech founders on it, mm-hmm. but yeah. And now, activate it. Come on now. <laughs> you go. I like. I got these sound effects. I like to play here and there. But thank you, honestly. <laughs> um dope like i said we will be in touch you'll be back on social media uh very soon very um, soon but she is on twitter i found her um do, do you tweet or no you're not uh. not really but i'm there <laughs> <laughs> you know what if, if people want to reach you how, how how do they do that how do i get in contact with you if people want to reach me that is a fantastic question if Email. not Right. E- email, yeah. yeah. Ashley at mindright.io. There you go. Email, email her. Don't 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 go on her <laughs> DMs. Don't slide it. Don't do no. Send her an email and keep <laughs> it a buck. Right? No, I yeah. honestly, um Ashley, thank you very much for, for coming on the platform. Like I said, appreciate you. Uh happy Black History Month. And then when you find out when you're originally from, let me know. Um For sure. And then I'll, I'm trying- I'll come I was gonna say I'll come back to the next episode with my results. Yes. Oh, you made it sound like a like a Mari show. <laughs> Wait a minute! Now, this is COVID time now. <laughs> uh, but honestly, thank you very much for everybody listening in. Thanks again for tuning in. This is the Activated Podcast, and you've officially been activated. Peace. Peace.